from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks for joining us for this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer said yesterday he will force a vote in the Senate on the controversial Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. It, was, it has been opposed by most Republicans. We need to take the first step to fight domestic terrorism. We'll see where everyone falls. I know when confronted with the contrast between what Democrats stand for and what MAGA Republicans stand for, the American people are squarely on our side. How can the American people be for a bill that no Republicans support? We'll talk about why Republicans are opposed to this measure with Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs, former chair of the House Freedom Caucus. And more shocking information was released earlier this week on the Chinese Communist Party and their brutal practices in Xinjiang. This new reporting further adds to an already damning body of evidence of the PRC's atrocities in Xinjiang, uh, including evidence previously disclosed in earlier publicly reporting, uh, seen in satellite imagery and gathered via witness testimony from survivors and escapees uh, of the internment in forced labor camps. That was State Department Press Secretary Ned Price. How was this information obtained, and what does it tell us about the CCP? We'll talk with Dr. Adrian Zenz, Senior Fellow in Chinese Studies at the Victims of Communism Memorial Fund. All right, nothing is more descriptive of telling children that they, are create, they can create their own reality than what is happening in the transgender world. The collateral damage from this agenda is widespread, and it is including the very definition of woman. Congresswoman Mary Miller is responding by introduce the, introducing the Women's Bill of Rights into Congress. What are those rights? We'll talk about it with Congresswoman Miller later here on Washington Watch. In selecting our verse for today, I'm departing from our stand on the Word Bible reading plan and going to the words of Jesus, recorded in John chapter 10, verse 10. It reads as follows. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. The evil act of murder that took place yesterday at Robb Elementary School in Texas, frankly, should be a wake-up call for our nation, not for another round of the worn-out talking points about gun control or even the calls for more funding for mental health programs, but rather it should be a call to return to an understanding of good and evil. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. In contrast, the thief, Satan, his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, our schools for decades have marginalized the source of life, driving out any mention of Jesus from our classrooms. Religion is out while defining your own reality is in. You know, how then can we be shocked when these products of a godless culture shatters society's false sense of security, which has been built on a foundation of lies. The idea that we can have peace and security without morality and religion. What President Washington called the two great pillars of human happiness, morality based on religion. I'm going to talk more about this important topic as Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel joins me later on this edition of Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, you can find it all later archived there. And I would encourage you, as I've heard from many people who have shared that website with those that don't have access to one of the 800 stations we air on, it's a great place for people to listen each day to Washington Watch. Citing the tragic shooting in Buffalo earlier this month, the House passed the Domestic Terrorism Act of 2021 with only one Republican vote. You know what I never hear from my constituents? I never hear from my constituents, oh, please, please give the Department of Justice more power. Please, please, Congressman Roy, will you please give the Department of Homeland Security more power? I just, I just, please. Please, Congressman Roy, will you please give the FBI more power? I just, I want the FBI up in my grill. I want the FBI targeting my parents. I want the FBI targeting Americans for daring to question the holy grail of school boards. 
That was Texas Congressman Chip Roy earlier this year as the measure made its way through the House Judiciary Committee. Now, Senate Democrats uh, will take up this bill this week in the Senate. Chuck Schumer yesterday saying he would schedule a vote on the bill. Uh, The bill will authorize special offices within the government to investigate and monitor domestic terrorism. But in an era where parents exercising their rights at school board meetings have been labeled as domestic terrorists, one can see how this act could easily, easily be abused to target political opponents. Joining me now to discuss the concerns over this legislation is Congressman Andy Biggs. He serves as well on the House Judiciary Committee, and he represents Arizona's 5th Congressional District, and as I mentioned earlier, the former chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Congressman Biggs, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. Uh, you know, Democrats want to pass this uh, Domestic Terrorism Act, but they're claiming that parents at school board meetings are terrorists. Is that not enough reason for us to be concerned about this? Well, you should be concerned for a lot of reasons, and certainly that's not the least of, of the reasons. But this gives expansive power and authority to intrude into the lives of Americans and to expand the surveillance state of these authoritarians that of, on the left. They have a natural inherent uh, idea of, of spying on people. They are only tolerant if you, of you if you accept their views. So uh, it's no surprise that parents who go to school boards and speak out against the leftist orthodoxy that's being indoctrinated their children have been subject to surveillance. And actually, we've, we've had whistleblower confirm indeed that, that, that people have been surveilled and targeted and labeled by the Department of Justice simply for going to public school meetings and speaking uh, heterodoxy uh, to the, the, this leftist um, mantra that's out there. So under this measure that gives more power to the government, it reminds me very much of the Patriot Act, which I oppose. And I know many Republicans embraced because, you know, George Bush, George W. Bush was president and it would be used, you know, right. And I said, you have to look at this policy, you know, separate from whatever administration may be in power. Of course, in this case, we we can see how this can be abused. But the, the Patriot Act was abused by the Obama administration to track former President Trump. Uh, and and spy on his campaign. The definition of domestic terrorist, what what is it under this legislation? Well, they've they've expanded it and it's it's almost it's almost nebulous uh, the way they've uh, defined domestic terrorism. So so and that's not good. That's not good. And, right. and you know, and you add you throw that into the Patriot Act um, and I just want to remind people of what what that happened. They used it to spy on Donald Trump, but it was more than that. Literally, when we went to uh, uh, reauthorize FISA, which I voted against because it's obviously an act that will provide for abuse. Within a week, within a week, uh, all the revelations came out of the abuse of of the Foreign Intelligence uh, uh, Surveillance Act. And the problem with that is, and the problem with what we have here, because you don't really, you have a rather nebulous, expansive definition of, of terrorism here and domestic terrorism, is that it you basically are allowing a, a star chamber, that is to say, a group of individuals who are not held accountable, um, who are rubber stamped, who are going to go out and spy on American citizens. That, that contravenes the Fourth Amendment and the First Amendment. And 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 we just can't go there if we're going to remain a constitutional republic, recognizing that people have freedom. I mean, one of the things that you have said, I've heard you say before, is that uh, our country is based on moral and religious principles. Well, uh, surveilling people, trying to compel them to engage in morality that isn't necessarily morality, it's based solely on a secular view of it is exactly what's happening in this domestic terrorism bill, to my way of thinking. Uh, Congressman, I think you're absolutely right. And to help connect the dots for our our viewers and our listeners, the the nebulous definition that's in here, it's all designed, you know, going after white supremacists. 
But then when you listen to the rhetoric of those on the other side who are pushing this bill, parents who show up, and, and not to beat a dead horse, but parents who show up to school board mem- uh, meetings and oppose CRT are called white supremacists. In fact, that's the very, at the very heart of critical race theory is if you're white, uh, you, you can't escape your whiteness. And, and so you, you have to be sympathetic to white supremacy no matter what you are or what you say or what you do. And so I can see how easily this could be abused. Well, well, yeah. So, I mean, we're using that example and we're talking about the, what the CRT teaches, which is that what you just summarized there is that, that it, is, it doesn't matter what I act, how I, what I speak, or even what I internalize and feel it just for for this the critical race theorists, you are hopelessly a uh, racist. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you what you what you say or do. It is simply the fact that you are white. So thus you are you are racist inherently, and you can never overcome it. So right. um, when you when you act uh, in any way that that kind of limits that type of teaching, then uh, you are. Uh, you're a racist and you're engaging in some kind of hate speech or you're a potential terrorist. And so uh, when parents began showing up at school board meetings, and by the way, this, this, when we talk about the expansion of this, we're talking about people who are, who are just uh, going, you could be at a, a college campus. You could be the most left-wing person teaching on a college campus. But if you're white, you're going to be deemed to be a racist. And beyond that, uh, you could say something that is doesn't fit exactly what they want, and now you're going to potentially be uh, surveilled because of your uh, uh, accidental break with the the whatever the dogma of the left is. Right. And, and, and by and, the way, Tony, and, that's and, shifting all the time. Right. Uh, Andy, before we run out of time, just I want to make sure I understand this as well. This is uh, it's uh, HR. Thirty-three fifty, right? Is that the uh, the bill number? And, and 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 folks, it's over in the Senate now. I encourage you to contact your senator. But this could also be used, or will be used, to purge members of law enforcement or the military who, uh, according to a task force, cross the line and fall into one of these categories of uh, either holding views of white supremacy or connected to them. Anything that seems to be, as you said, out of vogue with the left. That's that's 100% correct. And don't forget, they've already started that. Remember, they, they wanted to go through the Capitol Police. They wanted to go to through various police agencies. They've already started some of that in the military, going through trying to find anybody. And this is that's that's an old thing. I mean, they already they've already done a study before. It came back with with virtually no nobody um, falling into that category. But this is a dogma to them. This is a actually it's more than that. This is the right. religious uh, uh, yeah. faith that they've, they've here to now. It's not God. It is authoritarianism and control. It is it is this uh, it's this out of whack uh, and out of faith um, belief that they have. And so they've already engaged in that and they will engage in it again. But it won't stop there, Tony. Own- You're absolutely right. Uh, Andy, we're out of time. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Always great to talk with you. Yes, Tony, thanks. Take care. And folks, I want to encourage you to contact your two senators, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. It's to be voted on, I think, tomorrow in the Senate. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more after this. Join Family Research Council on an exciting two-year journey through the Bible. FRC's Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan helps you to dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into the cultural issues of the day. God has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. By studying the Bible, we can see God's plan unfold throughout the past and be encouraged by how the truth of Scripture is still relevant in our current day and will be into the future. The Stand on the Word reading plan engagingly and thoughtfully takes you through the daily scripture to help you stay grounded in God's truth. You can start this reading plan with Family Research Council today. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your family and friends. Visit frc.org slash Bible to begin this journey through the Bible today. 
Although most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, studies show that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview was created. The center serves to help Christians understand the importance of Scripture, why it must be authoritative, and how it can equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview provide resources to help prepare believers to give a scriptural answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the center's latest blogs, op-eds, and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org slash worldview email. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Again, search Stand Firm and download the app today. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I was mentioning at the end of the the break, uh, the bill is actually H.R. 350, H.R. 350, Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2021. Uh, The Senate uh, leader, um, Chuck Schumer, filed cloture, meaning that uh, he says we're going to have a vote on it. It's expected to be tomorrow, as I mentioned, so I would encourage you to contact your two senators. A hack of Chinese police servers revealed photographs and documents shedding new light on the horrific abuse that uh, a Uyghur minority has uh, undergone at the hands of the communist Chinese. The data includes thousands of photographs of detained people and describes a shoot-to-kill policy for those who try to escape the concentration camps. Joining me now to discuss the situation is Dr. Adrian Zins, Senior Fellow in China Studies at Victims of Communism Memorial Fund. Dr. Zins, welcome back to Washington Watch. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, let me begin first with the, the um, when, when did this information become available? What, what, when did this uh, data come into the hands of those that could uh, analyze it? So this information was offered to me several months ago, um, and I, I basically have been spending yeah, quite a bit of recent time on this and uh, passed it on uh, several months ago to several major media outlets to analyze and publish together. So as, as harrowing as it is to see these images and read the abuses, does this hack simply confirm what we suspected or that we already knew, or is there new information here as well? Uh, it, it quite substantially confirms what we knew and gives further for things that we kind of speculated about. I mean, uh, we, did not, we knew that the re-education internment camps were being run like prisons, uh, we knew about police guards um, and those kinds of things. But we didn't know, for example, that in the watchtowers of those camps, the police guards are supposed to use sniper rifles, like the same as the military, that they're supposed to use tripod-mounted machine guns, again, the same as the People Liberation Army. We also didn't know that Xi Jinping personally, upon hearing that the internment camps were overcrowded, in 2018, personally ordered the recruitment of more prison guards, more camp guards, in the construction of additional camps, personally. 
The, the, the Chinese Communist Party has said and claimed that these re-education camps are voluntary, and uh, it's only to stamp out extremism and to uh, um, you know, unify the, the, the Chinese people. But these documents would suggest that this is anything but voluntary. The documents show that people are being rounded up by police on trumped-up charges, basically simply because they're Uyghur or because they uh, practice Islam. Um, they show that the leader, the party secretary, Chen Chuenguo of Xinjiang, personally ordered, if Uyghurs are being arrested, you got to arrest them as if they're hardened criminals. You put on handcuffs, you put on shackles, you put on a blindfold. If they try to run away, even make a few steps, you go and shoot them. How, uh, Dr. Zins, how do you think the Chinese government will respond to this latest uh, leak of sensitive uh, information? The Chinese government was asked for comment, and they gave a very generic response that didn't respond to any of the details. They gave the same response that they give to any uh, accusation, any confrontation with new evidence, um, saying that people in Xinjiang are happy. And basically, their response is designed to not give away information. So they don't try to either acknowledge or deny the new evidence. They just say it's made up, uh, and they don't, but they're not specific. They're not being specific. And I think it's a clear strategy because um, they're just trying to cover up what they're doing. So, so Dr. Zins, uh, in, in response to this, uh, latest round of documents. Uh, this is uh, the the second or, or third batch, I think, that has hit the the media. The uh, several foreign governments are speaking up about this. The UK Foreign Minister Liz Truss said that we are we remain committed to holding China to account. Now, what does that look like? What, are are we seeing these foreign governments uh, collectively? holding China accountable for these abuses that we now know are happening? Uh, that's been a real problem, to be honest. And um, especially uh, European governments have long been very hesitant to say anything. Uh, and they have also often been hesitant to make joint statements with the United States. Uh, at the United Nations, uh, over 22 countries wrote a letter uh, outlining the abuses and calling for accountability. These were all Western countries. Now, um, not enough has been done in that respect. Uh, the U.S. has been relatively outspoken, uh, except for a lull last year when they were hoping to get China over for a climate change agreement, uh, which did not work out. But um, it's very good to see governments finally speaking up. The U.S. has been relatively outspoken by comparison. Uh, it's good to finally see Germany speaking up. Germany has been terrible, absolutely horrible, just keeping everything quiet and being really reticent to call the child by its name. Now, the German foreign minister made a very clear and unusually uh, concise and clear statement on the matter. So I'm very much hoping we're going to see some progress. But I think those governments still have a way to go to work together and to unite and make it and impose stronger consequences on the Communist Party for what they're doing. Uh, one final question for you, uh, Dr. Zins. I cannot think of any more evidence that would be needed to come to a conclusion of what the Chinese Communist Party is doing to the Uyghurs and other religious minorities. Uh, it was declared as genocide. I cannot see what is missing for the rest of the world to come to that conclusion. Uh, the answer is that nothing is missing now. We, before we had documents, we had witness accounts, we had satellite images, um, but now we have the images. We have the images, and I think this image material was probably the smoking, the total smoking gun type evidence that we did not have, and now we do. So now there's nothing at all missing, and any country, especially the Muslim countries, were being quiet. Right. It's, it's very, very sad. Dr. Adrian Zins, thank you for your work on this, and thanks for joining us today on uh, Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. And, folks, uh, we've got to uh, stand up for those being abused wherever it is. Don't go away. We're coming back with more after this.
Most of us have at least one friend or family member who is pro-choice or have engaged with someone who doesn't share our pro-life views. As Christians, we are called to defend the weak and to speak truth in love. When we advocate for the unborn, we must do so in a way that is both honest and loving. At Family Research Council, we recognize the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. The value of human life is not conditional upon its usefulness to others or an arbitrary evaluation of a person's quality of life. Rather, the value of human life is unconditional because God, the author of life, has created all humans in his image. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by helping others speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Access our free resources at frc.org life so that you can address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more. Attention university students, do you feel called to promote faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture? Are you hoping to grow in Christian leadership? Then join Family Research Council for an unforgettable internship. FRC's 12 to 15 week internship program is designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is necessary for government to serve the people and for culture to thrive. As an intern, you work alongside FRC's experts who will invest in your personal and professional development as you prepare to make a kingdom impact in the world. This paid internship offers free housing in D.C., allowing you to experience community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org internships. That's frc.org internships. And this is Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, so uh, check it out. We live in a society that encourages many to disregard human biology. That God's creation does not determine anything, but how you identify is all that matters. This is coming from the highest levels of government. And it's filtering into our classrooms. It's invaded sports. It's everywhere. And, you know, one area where this has never been more important is the left's attempt to erase women in the name of transgender rights. Now, this has led some members of Congress to introduce a women's bill of rights to reaffirm legal protections for women. Now, I never thought I would live to see the day where Congress would have to pass legislation defining what a woman is. Joining me now to discuss this is Congresswoman Mary Miller. She serves on the House Committee on Education and Labor, the House Agriculture Committee. She represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois. Congresswoman Miller, welcome back to the program. Good afternoon, Tony. It's great to be here. Long before I ran for Congress, I had listened to your program while I was on the farm raising my children, and you've been such a beacon of truth, and I appreciate it. We need you more than ever. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Before we get into this topic, you and I have had many conversations, and I know this is one that is, uh, as a mother and a grandmother, uh, Mm -hmm. breaks your heart. What we saw transpire in Texas yesterday, where 19 elementary school students and two teachers uh, were were, were shot and killed. Uh, This, you know, we live in a society that has disregarded the value of human life. Um, Yes. And it's all connected to to these issues. As we move further away from God, Mm -hmm. we end up with these tragic results. It's true. And I just, I can't imagine um, the loss and the pain that families are feeling right now. And I know that my husband and myself and the children that I still have at home, we've been praying for these families and for the community. Um, It's you know, unimaginable, but it's true. God's ways are perfect. We've kicked God to the curb, and we are going to continue to see the degradation of our society and chaos. Um, you know, you know this violence, um, confusion about sexual identity. Um, you know, the breakdown of the family, and you know, it's just really 
it's doing great damage to our society. And I am very thankful for the opportunity to be in this position, not just to vote uh, in a constitutional way, in a way that um, helps my constituents, but also to speak up for our Judeo-Christian values. And you're doing just that. And this bill that uh, you have been a part, uh, one of the key lead, the lead sponsors of in the House with the Republican Study Committee is not one I ever thought we would need. Uh, but that is to make sure that women are not erased. Uh, tell tell our viewers yes. and our listeners about uh, this bill. Sure. Well, first of all, um, uh, Joe Biden and his administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, they are pushing this radical leftist uh, ideology that you can I, just choose your identity. And then we have people in this administration that are confused as to what a woman is. So um, my colleagues and I have brought forth this bill. Um, you know, it's so practical. It's almost laughable, obviously. For millennia, we've been able to uh, define what a woman is, but now we've reached such a peak of intelligence and um, sophistication that we we are confused as to what a woman is. Um, you know, obviously, a woman biblical. can bear a child. Yeah, that, that sounds biblical. We become so wise, we look like fools, uh, thinking yes. themselves wise. And 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 you you're absolutely right. I mean, you touched on this, but really, is this not an attack on God as our Creator? It's definitely an attack on God, and even um, you know, all of this is religious to the left. Uh, God created humans with this. Um, well, we're created as physical, intellectual, and spiritual beings. And so when you kick God out, these people are filling that void with their form of religion. And, um, you know, this is rebellion to God, just like, um, you know, defining when life begins. Life begins at conception, um, defining the family, um, you know, just so many things. We've been in rebellion to God. So, uh, Mary, before we run out of time, how can folks support your bill? Um, sure. Well, they can go to marymiller.house.gov and, um, you know, we'd appreciate the support. I know it's going to take a, a change in Congress to get a bill like this onto the floor, but it's very mm -hmm. possible after November that uh, we could see a vote on a bill like mm -hmm. this. Definitely. Well, elections have consequences and we need to elect fighters out here. I mean, that's one of the reasons we love President Trump is he fought on the offense for the American people. He did fight for religious freedom and freedom of conscience, and we appreciated it. And uh, you continue to do that, and we appreciate yes. that as well. Mary, always great, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on today. You too. Thank you, Tony. All right. And folks, by the way, I want to thank all of those who have contacted State Farm, your insurance agency, uh, if that is your agency. And I've actually heard from some agents who agree with us, but it's corporate. And they're actually telling me that your input is helping try to get the corporate office back on track. So we've got a petition at TonyPerkins.com regarding State Farm and their efforts to groom five-year-olds on this whole topic of transgenderism. All right, don't go away. We're going to come back next with Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel. Don't go away. Religious liberty is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's own choosing and to live in accordance with those beliefs. It is an inherent human right. Therefore, Family Research Council's Center for Religious Liberty strives to advance religious liberty for all people of all faiths. Advocates for strong religious liberty protections are often labeled bigots. But for those familiar with the history of religious liberty in the United States, until recently, it was embraced by a majority of Americans. In fact, religious liberty has historically had bipartisan support. Today, efforts to restrict this freedom have become increasingly common. Therefore, Christians need to articulate with greater clarity why we support religious liberty and why all people are served when religious liberty thrives. Access the Center for Religious Liberty's free resources to learn more at frc.org slash religious liberty.
In today's culture, there are few examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need a model of leadership, strength, courage, and sacrificial love that they can look to. But where can they find it? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong, biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. At Family Research Council, we want to be able to keep you informed on our latest resources and events. Due to the growing threat of tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've created a tech subscription platform so that we can stay connected. So if we get canceled, you can continue to receive updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. And this is Washington Watch. Glad to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Yesterday's school shooting in Texas in which 19 students and two teachers were killed is a stark reminder that we live in a broken and a fallen world, a world that has devalued human life and in a world in which many believe they can simply live without morality, without religion, without God. Now, actions like these need... a spiritual response from a biblical framework. We, as believers, we need to understand what is happening and to respond to this. I, 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 I'm, I am so tired, frankly, of, of hearing every time there's one of these shootings that we need more gun control. Like I, I'm a, I was a police officer. I was on the streets. I faced guns. I've stared down the barrels of guns. It's not issue of what is in the hands of people. It's what's in their hearts. And when you look at what we were just talking about with Mary Miller, about what we are indoctrinating our children with, should we be surprised that this type of behavior happens? I don't think we should. Here's, again, uh, the response from those on the left. Uh, Here is uh, the the Democratic leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, uh, today when they aren't offering thoughts and prayers to distract from their inaction. Many of my Republican colleagues focus on the motives of the shooters instead of focusing on the obvious common denominator. I, I, you know, I, I don't even want to dissect that comment because I'm not even sure that it's worthy of it. But here's another one. Here is the president himself responding to this last night. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? Well, it's when we invite God back into our society, Mr. President, the one that you continually with your friends on the left who are driving him out of our schools, indoctrinating our children, confusing them with your ideology. It's when we stop that and we return to an understanding that we're created in the image of God and that each and every child, regardless of what zip code they might be conceived in or what side of the tracks they're born on, have value, not because someone assigned it to them or that they chose it themselves, but because they were created in the image of God. 
Well, joining me now to discuss this is Pastor Gary Hamrick, Senior Pastor of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Hamrick, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. It's always good to be with you. I'm just sorry under these circumstances. Thanks for having me. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I wanted to have this conversation because I think, you know, believers all across this country are, I mean, I, I can't imagine a parent not being touched by this. You know, with five children of my own, I immediately think of how a parent is going to deal with this. You know, they, 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 they put their child onto a bus in the morning or they drop them off and tell them to have a good day and that's the last time they see them. I, I don't know how our hearts cannot be gripped and broken by what is happening in our society. But I think we continually look at the wrong solutions. Yeah, you know, um, somebody once said that the uh, heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And that's really just echoing what Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? I mean, God even says in his word there through Jeremiah that we are so easily self-deceived because because of our heart. And um, and there's a heart problem in, in our country. There's a heart problem in our world. I mean, it's the reason why Jesus came to die for us. And, you know, here's another problem um, with uh, somebody's heart. Now, you know, we don't know all the details. Um, there could be some mental illness involved with this young man, obviously. Um, we don't know everything that, that was the cause of this, but clearly um, America needs um, some heart surgery. And um, the remedy is, of course, the Lord. And we know that, but um, sometimes when I listen to government uh, and political leaders speak on issues that trouble all of us, you know, whenever we hear about a school shooting like this, I mean, our hearts go out. And I, I, I want to first just pause and say our hearts go out to the families of those 19 precious children and those two teachers. Uh, I can't imagine the grief that they're going through. Um, and I don't really expect that government and politicians are going to have a spiritual response to it. But those of us who know know that the real issue is the human heart, and that's what we really need to work on fixing. I agree with that. But what we've seen increasingly with each of these uh, tragedies is that there are those in government who marginalize prayer. I mean, you just heard it from uh, the, the leader of the Senate, uh, Chuck Schumer. And, and so it, that kind of silences those who I think should be speaking out about the spiritual aspects of this, the moral aspects of this. And I think that tends to intimidate those who should be speaking from, from the pulpits. I mean, I think, look, yes, we, we've got to sympathize and, and grieve with and, and empathize with these parents. And we've got to, uh, we've got to do something to address this. But I, I think we have to be bold in speaking out that, as you just said, this is a problem of the heart. And we've got to go back and see where we went wrong. Yeah, and you know what I think is interesting about this particular case, and again, only getting sketchy details through the media, and they're not always the most reliable source, but but uh, this young man was living with his grandparents. Uh, from what I understand, there's, uh, they haven't even found his parents, and so why was he living with his grandparents? And of course, he, he even shot his grandmother. I think she's in stable condition. So what we have here is obviously something deeply wrong with this young man, but it, it kind of indicates that there's some breakdown in his family. Why is he living with his grandparents? How come they can't find his parents? And again, I mean, you're at the, you're at the heart and soul of the battle for the family, uh, Tony, and that's why I appreciate FRC. But um, it's, it's one more just uh, indication that when the family unit breaks down, there, there, there's, there are terrible consequences. And that isn't to say that every family that breaks apart, like I, I came from a divorced household, um, and, and it isn't to say that every Every family that breaks apart is going to lead to a troubling teen who goes and, and shoots up a school. But when I heard about his family dynamics, I started to wonder how much did the breakdown of the family contribute to where this young man uh, was. And, um, and it's just it's tragic. But in that in that tragedy and, and just as a word of encouragement uh, in regards to the family, there's something in Psalm 2710 that I've always found interesting that is a little insight into David's own family. King David said in Psalm 2710, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. 
We don't really know what was going on in David's family, but he seems to indicate there that his own household was was not the best. And even when families break apart or families are dysfunctional, and somebody once said every family this side of Adam and Eve is dysfunctional, so uh, that's true. But the good news is the Lord will take care of us, and that if we continue to fight for the family and continue to share Jesus so that people can know the hope that they have in the Lord, um, that will help to keep families together, and I think that will go a long way to deter these kind of things happening in the future. You, you are absolutely right, and I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. I, I just have one note, and I play it. Um, and, yeah. and that is, you actually look at these cases in, in going all the way back uh, 20 years with just a couple of exceptions. Almost every one of these mass shootings was a male that came from a broken home uh, yeah. in, in which he didn't have the, the presence of a father in his life in almost every one of these cases. And, and you're absolutely right. I, I'm so grateful you quoted from the Psalms. And, and David, yes, you see, when, when, when the family's dysfunctional, we can all have a heavenly father who loves us and, and gives us an understanding of our purpose and the meaning of this life. But therein lies, I believe, the problem in our society today, especially as we go back to where most of our children spend a good bit of their time in the public school classroom, where not only have we removed God going back to the 60s and 70s, but we have marginalized him so that it is seen as evil because you end up in the principal's office or in court if you engage in some type of religious expression or a teacher who is fired for doing that. And so we're sending these subtle messages to these very children who need something to turn to. We're saying, don't turn there. And and I think that's what's making this situation so, so uh, tremendously um, I mean, it's just, it, it, I, I can't even think of the word. It's, I mean, it's just This problem is, it, it, it is. And I think it, we are creating this problem by driving ki- children away from the very source of their solution. Yeah, because when you look at what the children need as a foundation, they obviously need the family. And, um, and then when they are exposed to public education, um, the, the trend of public education right now is not strengthening the family. It's it's doing quite the opposite. Uh, you know, here in Loudoun County, our school board recently passed this policy, this transgender policy, where children get to decide whatever gender they want to be, even if, defi- even if it defies biology and God's beautiful design. So how is that helping children? Like that is, that is lying to children. It's confusing children. And yeah, I'm reminded of a very sobering uh, statement that Adolf Hitler once made. When he said, I want to raise a generation of young people devoid of a conscience imperious, relentless, and cruel. And uh, we, we can't let history repeat itself. And we have to be on guard in our families and in our schools to make sure we're raising a children, not devoid of a conscience, but a generation of children that have a moral conscience rooted in the Lord. And pastors, church leaders, moms and dads have got to make the investment in their children to make sure the next generation understands that moral foundation. Yes, it begins in the home, and I think parents have to step up and begin teaching their children, discipling their children in churches. This is such a tremendous opportunity, and I know you do this at Cornerstone, the outreach with uh, ministry to children, vacation Bible school, you know, in the absence of this moral fiber in our country, you know, we've actually looked at this at our, uh, when we had our center, our marriage and religion research institute with Dr. Pat Fagan, he's now at the Catholic University, but we saw these nexus points of these social pathologies and the breakdown of the family. But what was fascinating to me is that a church involved in the life of a child, if a mother, single mother, would take their child to church, it almost made up for the absence of a father in their life because they were exposed to their heavenly father. Yes. Uh, and again, that was that was David's cry. You know, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. And and that's the encouragement for every single mom, every single dad. You're trying to be both mom and dad. The Lord will step in and help you. And and he's our he's he's who the one that we rely on. I mean, I mean, without the Lord, I, I say to people all the time, I don't know how the world gets along without the Lord. And 
I suppose when we look at the world, it's it's an indication that how much people need the Lord, because we see these kinds of senseless uh, killings uh, that's happened here in Texas and our hearts just grieve with these families. Um, I thank you, Tony, for for continuing to be on the front lines of defending faith and freedom and family, because um, if we lose if we if we lose the family, we, we've lost America. Well, Pastor Gary, I'm going to ask you if uh, if you wouldn't mind, as we uh, close our time together here today, if you would pray for those families in Texas and you would pray for our nation as we, we stand at a point where we have got to make a decision to choose life or choose yes. death. And uh, it has yes. consequences, as we see played out before us just yesterday. Yeah, let me do that. And I, I'm, I'm uh, what comes to mind is Psalm 34, 18, which says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so that's my prayer for these families and, and for our country. So let me pray. Lord, we just come before you and uh, we just think of these grieving families that have lost these precious children and, and these adult teachers. And uh, Lord, we just uh, pray Psalm 34, 18 over them that you you are close to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. And there are people who are just crushed right now and they are beside themselves. There are parents who put their kids on a school bus that morning and those children didn't, some of those children didn't come home and, and they're beside themselves, Lord. And we pray that you would minister to their grieving hearts. We pray that you would bring uh, different people into their lives. If they don't know you, who will help them to understand the, the compassion of Jesus, the comfort of Jesus, the love of Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, that you would send people along their path who will help to show them the only one who can really comfort them in their darkest hours and in their deepest grief. And so we we pray for those families, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we, we pray for our country. We pray, Lord, for our political leaders to understand that government is not the solution to every human ill, that the human heart needs a savior. And I pray that every pastor would be uh, encouraged to uh, be bold in the pulpit about the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus so that from our pulpits going forth, we can declare the answer and the solution to what hurts us in America. And right now, our whole country grieves with those who grieve. And uh, we just pray for every parent, every uh, political leader, every spiritual leader, uh, to, to uh, Lord, uh, understand that you are the only solution, you're our only hope, you're our only help, and may you bring uh, good news out of these ashes, Lord. May you do yes. wonderful healing things out of this tragedy, and we commit it to you, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Gary, thanks so much. Always great to see you. Thanks for joining us you, today. You too, Tony. Thank you so much. And folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray for those families in Texas and to pray for our nation. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words. The Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when we've done everything we can do, when we've prayed, when we've prepared, and when we've taken our stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.